Hey everybody, welcome back to the podcast. I'm your host Dave from Chase the Summit, and today you might notice something a little different about the podcast. I've actually gave it, given it, gave it a brand new name. So previously the podcast was just the Chase the Summit podcast. Nothing wrong with that, but honestly I thought it got a little bit confusing uh, because there's a YouTube channel and a podcast and they're really not the same because here I just kind of ramble and talk about things that happened during the week, talk about the news and ultra running and my racing and stuff like that. We're on YouTube. It's a bit more structured, I think. I'm not really sure. Anyways, now the, the podcast going forward will be called the Chase the Summit Trail Talk podcast. And the idea behind that is that I want this to feel like we're out on a run together and I'm just kind of chatting. And that's what you're hearing is just like my unedited thoughts being recorded to this microphone and hopefully that makes sense if you like the previous name i'm sorry if you have a better name than trail talk i suggest you shoot me a message on instagram or uh, maybe message me through the website or something and give me some suggestions because i'm not that creative so it is what it is for now Uh, Before we dive into this episode, I do want to do a quick shout out to the Patreon and YouTube members that help support this podcast and the YouTube channel. Um, It's a huge deal to me. There's people out there that have been supporting me for like a year uh, with monthly contributions. And I just want to give a few names. Uh, Darren, Adrian, Bryce, Blake, and Dave are all long-term supporters. I've actually met a few few of you in person, um, and it's been Uh, a pleasure, and I really appreciate your support. So thank you very much. Uh, If you want to help support the podcast and the YouTube channel, 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 I'm having a hard time talking today, check out the links at the bottom of the show notes. Uh, A couple of bucks a month really goes a long way, and it's one step closer to me uh, doing this thing as a full-time job because I'm not there yet. But uh, if I do get, I, I need about, let's see, I would need about like 500 Patreon members to make that happen. So maybe we should make that a, a soft goal every episode. I'll I'll drop a shout out to the Patreon. So check out the link at the bottom of the show notes. It's very cheap and it really goes a long way. Uh, and I also will be posting more exclusive stuff over there. For now, I haven't really been posting much. It's just a means of supporting the podcast. But yeah, I'll leave it there. Next up, I want to give a shout out to the supporter of this podcast, and that is Liquid IV. And if you're not aware of what Liquid IV is, I've talked about it before. It's a hydration multiplier. It's basically a powder you put in your water. Tastes really good. I personally really like the lemon-lime flavor. It's great for running. It's great just for staying hydrated around the house. In the morning, I like to drink it after my coffee because coffee is a bit dehydrating. And Liquid IV just kind of makes me feel like it's become part of my routine now. I really like it. It's low in calories, tastes good, and it's got a bunch of electrolytes in it, and the stuff actually works. So uh, if you're interested, check out the link in the show notes and use the code CHASETHESUMMIT, all one word, at checkout for 30% off your order, because that's a pretty good deal. CHASETHESUMMIT, all one word, no spaces, at checkout at liquidiv.com, or click the link in the show notes down below. One more... (laughs) One more shout out, and that's to the merch store. You're going to want to pay attention to this one. Uh, I talk about the merch store a lot, but honestly, sales have slowed down a bit. So I want to uh, do something special. So I've got the Chase the Summit trucker hats. I've got running shirts. 
buffs, all kinds of things in the ship in the store, and I'm actually working on uh, future merch that are that'll be out in probably a month or so. Still kind of finalizing that, but there's something special for you, the listener of this podcast. You get an ex- exclusive discount. Only you. I'm not going to write this in the show notes or anything, but if you're listening to this right now, you can get 10% off your order at the Chase the Summit merch store by using code LISTEN10 at checkout. That's LISTEN10, no spaces or anything, at checkout. Check out the merch store at chasethesummit.com slash shop or click the link in the show notes down below. And the final thing I want to talk about in the intro to this podcast that seems to be taking way too long is I want to get some recommendations from you. Do you have an idea for an upcoming guest I should have? Do you have an upcoming topic I should talk about? Um, I'd be open to suggestions because for now, I'm kind of sticking to this format of like a weekly update, uh, talking about the news, my training, things like that. But I would like to have more guests on. I'm just kind of like kind of hitting a roadblock as to who I should have on. I've talked to a few people. I've invited a few people. But honestly, I'm not really a great interviewer. So I would I want to have just have a discussion on here and and not make it so much like interviews and stuff like that. But if you've got suggestions, go over to Instagram, shoot me a DM there, or go over to chasethesummit.com, hit the contact me form and uh, shoot me a message there. I'd be happy to hear from you. And I'm open to suggestions on which way to steer this podcast. Because uh, believe it or not, we've got quite a few listeners now on the podcast. Um, You know, I'm seeing numbers in the thousands now, which is kind of wild because I just do this for fun. I just hit record and speak my thoughts, very minimal effort in editing. Um, I just, you know, I want it to be this kind of grassroots podcast and uh, not overly produce it, but maybe I'm underproducing. Maybe suggest that as well. Let me know. Uh, by shooting me an Instagram DM, if that's the case. Okay, first topic is going to be training. Um, Just a quick update on my training, what's going on with me. If you haven't followed along, I ran a 100-mile ultramarathon. I think we're three weeks out now. I'm fully recovered from that. Uh, But another turn in life that's been going on is that my family and I, we actually moved out of our house in back in June, well, actually July, And we've been living at my in-law's house, which has been great, actually. Um, You know, they have plenty of room for the kids and stuff. Uh, But a side benefit to living with them is they have this trail network that's like half a mile from their front door. And I've been running there every single day. And I'm surprised by how, how awesome it is. First of all, there's a big hill there that I can do hill repeats on. And second of all, the trails are designed in such a way where you can do these loops. It's kind of like a shamrock shape where there's like a central point and then a bunch of loop trails come off of it. And all the loops are like two miles long. So you do a loop, you go back to the center, and you can kind of decide how far you want to go that day. Not only that, I've actually found a way to piece this trail network together with uh, neighboring town trails. So I've been able to run like 15 miles in there not retrace my steps at all, not do a loop, and probably run half a mile on the road to piece it together. So it's been a lot of fun. I've thoroughly enjoyed the proximity to the trail, and I feel like I'm going to miss it when we actually move into our new house because the new house, it's in a good spot, but I'll have to, you know, run on the road for a while to get to the trail 
where where we are now, I'm like right there. So pretty cool, uh, kind of a side benefit. But all of this means that I've actually been getting a lot more time on feet. And it's kind of resulted in less mileage, but I'm trying not to worry too much about that uh, because I'm running on the trails with hills a lot more than I was before. Uh, I'm getting more time on feet, more technical trails. Uh, they're actually mountain bike trails, so there's a lot of rocks and roots and stuff and obstacles. So uh, it's way more technical than my trails that I was previously running on. Uh, so that's resulted in lower mileage per week, but ultimately more time on trail, which I think is a good trade-off. So I've been having a lot of fun with that. I've been averaging probably 30 or 40 miles a week. Uh, not everything goes on Strava right now for a variety of reasons that I've talked about in the past, mainly because I feel like, I first of all, okay, this is going to be a side tangent. I do like Strava. There's uh, some aspects of, of it that I really enjoy. I think it's motivating if used correctly, but I also think it can be really, um, really unhealthy in the, the wrong if you use it incorrectly. And maybe I'm using it incorrectly, but the problem with me and Strava is, um, you know, because of YouTube, having 65,000 subscribers, which is not a lot on YouTube, I know, but that translates over to Strava, a lot of people following me there. And I think I've got over a thousand people following me on Strava now. And I've, I've been criticized about my mileage in the past. Like, how do you run 100 milers when you're only running blah, blah, blah a week? Or, you know, it's in that capacity, I find it to be kind of negative. So I've just been kind of careful with it lately. I don't put everything on Strava. So if you're wondering why you don't see a lot of activity from me on Strava, that would be why. I mean, I like it in some respects, and I do have fun with it, which is why I still use it. Otherwise, I just delete my account, but that's why. So, so kind of a side tangent on that one. Uh, another topic on training I want to talk about briefly is I've been kind of experimenting with ideas about diet, which actually may turn into a video in the future on YouTube. I'm really undecided. Um, I've been doing a lot of reading and listening to a lot of podcasts about um, you know, keto or low carb, low carb diets, uh, you know, high protein kind of things. And I, it, I know it's controversial, controversial, but I feel like I want to try something new and see if it helps with my performance. And one big, uh, advocate for this or somebody who kind of prompted me to look into it further is Jeff Browning. I don't know if you know who he is, but he's, uh, an elite ultra marathon runner but not only is he that, he's also 51 years old and he's still competing at a pretty, pretty impressive level. He actually just ran hard rock uh, out in Colorado and he was like in the top 10 and he's, he's in his early fifties. Uh, but he just did a podcast with Billy Yang. If you don't know who Billy Yang is, check him out on YouTube. He's also got a podcast, great content. But in that podcast, he really dropped some wisdom about how, wh where he thinks his like longevity and performance comes from. And a lot of it came from his diet. So it got me thinking, you know, I'm not too strict on my diet right now. All I do is, um, I try to relatively keep it high protein. I'm not vegan or anything like that. I don't really pay attention to macros. Um, I just try not to eat, like eat like a jerk. Basically. Uh, I try to just keep, keep myself accountable, not overeat, and try to 
consume, you know, lots of veggies and protein and try to, you know, remove the processed stuff, even though I still eat it. I'm, you know, a lot of times I'll, I like a good fried chicken. Don't get me wrong, but I've been trying to dial that back a little bit. Uh, and honestly, I just want to see gains in performance, maybe like my VO2 max or something, or, you know, maybe lose a couple of pounds and see if that helps. Um, it's really not about the the aesthetics or looking better or anything like that. I just want to see if I can perform better by maybe making some small adjustments that are not like totally life-changing. So that's another thing I'm kind of experimenting with right now, but I haven't really made any major moves on that yet. I'm actually wondering if it might make an interesting video series. But I digress. Uh, moving on, we've got racing. So the next race I'm going to be running is in... September, the first week of September. It's a local 50K. It goes by the name of the Trail Animals Running Club uh, Fall Classic. So this takes place in a neighboring town of ours called Carlisle, Massachusetts. It's uh, at a farm, uh, Great Brook Farm, and they've got like these big fields of corn and they've got some really cool uh, single track trails that go through the woods, uh, some horse trails and things like that. And at this race, you can run anything from, I think it's a half marathon up to 50 miles. And I'm going for the 50K. I've run this race before and I, I actually PR'd my 50K there at exactly five hours. It was like five hours and one second. Um, and I was trying to break five hours at the time, but I didn't get there. But still, five hours was a, I was really proud of that, proud of that time. That's my 50K PR. Uh, it's a relatively easy course, which led to that you know, getting a pretty good time there. Uh, but the reason why I'm running it this year is because my wife is running her first ultra marathon there. She'll be there running her first 50 K with her friend. Uh, the two of them are running out. I think she actually has more than just her friend going, but she's got a few people going. Um, so I thought I'd join them, maybe document it. it might be interesting. Uh, and I might try to convince her to come on the podcast and talk about it too. We'll see. We'll see what she's up for. Uh, she's not big on public speaking, but maybe I can convince her. So uh, that's the next race I have coming up on the calendar. First week of September, not far off. And uh, yeah, we'll see how that goes. I'm I'm not going to try to beat my PR there. I'm not in that kind of shape right now. Uh, I'm really just going because the Trail Animal Running Club, that's the local trail club here. They're, it's just fun events. You know, it's low-key grassroots. The registration's like 28 bucks. Uh, it's, it's just a lot of fun, so I'm looking forward to that, seeing a lot of familiar faces. If you're signed up, make sure to say hi at the uh, starting line. That'd be cool to meet some y'all out there. Don't know why I said y'all, but I did, and this podcast is unedited. Okay, so moving into uh, what you probably came here for is the news of the week. And the reason why I waited to record this podcast is because I wanted to talk about a new watch that came out today, and that is the Garmin Enduro 2. Uh, I'm recording this podcast on August 9th, and that is the day that the embargo lifted for the Enduro 2. I've been wearing the Enduro 2. I've got it on my wrist right now uh, for over two weeks now, so I've got a lot of use with it, and I've got a lot of thoughts about it, which you can find on the full in-depth review that I posted on YouTube I will link that in the show notes as well down below if you want to jump over to that. 
But in this podcast, I want to talk pre- briefly about what this thing is, what I think about it, even though I shared that in the review. Um, I can kind of talk about it a little bit more casually here and, you know, who it's for, that sort of thing. So the Garmin Enduro 2 is the successor, I think that's the right word, to the Garmin Enduro 1 that came out about a year ago. If you're familiar with that watch, it was basically uh, the Enduro 1 was a Garmin Phoenix that was kind of stripped down. They took some of the features out of it to just get the craziest, longest battery life possible. And they did they did a good job with that. It had up to 80 hours in GPS mode and a whopping 50 days of standby time. And, and those specs held up in real life. Uh, even to this day, that 50-day standby time is something that you don't see too often other than like the Corus Vertex 2. So what's different about the Enduro 2? Well, this new watch is based on the Phoenix 7X. Newer generation, newer hardware, and it comes with all the features that the Phoenix 7X has, including offline music, mapping, navigation, uh, Wi-Fi, all the things that were left off of the Enduro 1, they actually brought to the Enduro 2. Now, the Enduro 2 is a more expensive watch. It's actually more expensive than a Garmin Phoenix 7X. So the 7X comes in at 1000 bucks if you get the top-tier model. The Enduro 2 comes in at $1,100. So it's $100 more than the Phoenix 7X. What do you get for that extra money? Well, you get longer battery life. That's the big thing. So the Enduro 2 will give you up to 150 hours in GPS mode which is just bananas. And not only is that bananas, this new generation of Garmin watches, the Enduro 2, the Phoenix 7, 955, 255, all the watches that come with the multi-band GPS feature, they have incredibly good GPS-only accuracy. Even if you don't use like the higher accuracy modes that kill the battery quicker, you get really good accuracy. So generally speaking, I've been having really good luck with the accuracy coming out of the Enduro 2, the Phoenix 7, the 955. This whole new generation is really good in basically every every mode. There's like no bad mode. So it's kind of a thing of the past. I almost don't even want to test them anymore because they're so good. Um, but I do test them. So watch the, watch the review if you want to see the uh, footage of that. So that extra hundred bucks gets you longer battery life. It also gets you a few new features. There's something called Next Fork, um, which kind of, it puts a little mini widget, like an overlay on the map view when you're in an activity. And this little mini widget will actually show the next uh, turn, the next intersection that's coming up in front of you. So if you're trail running and you're in a heavily, like a trail with a lot of junctions and intersections, as you're running, you'll see what's coming ahead of time. And I really like it. I think this is a really clever implementation. It actually tells you the distance, how far away you are, and the name of the trail. It doesn't have to be a trail. It can also be a road or a bike path or whatever. Um, It's just anything, the next intersection in front of you. I really like this feature, and now it's available only on the Enduro 2. The next feature is a great adjusted pace, which basically takes your pace as you're running uphill and then tries to estimate that as if you're on flat ground. So if you're at like a really steep grade and you're running uh, a 10-minute mile, that might be a five-minute mile. Well, you know, that's probably an exaggeration, but 
that might be a five minute mile if you're on flat terrain for the same amount of effort or running power that you're putting out. So this new data field um, is available on the Enduro 2. Not only is this a data field, but it's also uh, recorded to the file. So in Garmin Connect, after the fact, you can actually view your grade adjusted pace for the average for the whole run. Super cool. Uh, the other new feature is something called Auto Rest Timer. If you have a Garmin Phoenix 7 or a 955 or any of the newer watches, there's a built-in activity for ultra run. This is for ultra marathon running, which is cool to think that Garmin even realized it's a sport, so they include it in their watch. And the unique thing about the ultra marathon um, activity is that it has uh, a rest timer. So when you get to an aid station, you can trigger the rest timer to record rest time. And that's handy if you're like a competitive ultra runner and you're trying to optimize your race strategy down the road. You can actually see how long you've spent at aid stations at the end of the race. So an ultra mile, like a hundred miler, that can add up to be a significant amount of time that you could have shaved off your overall time if you're a little bit quicker through the aid station, maybe uh, talking to your crew a little less or sitting down and taking a nap. I don't know. But all of that can be recorded with the rest timer. The issue was on the older models, like the Phoenix 7, this was a manual process. You have to go and push a button to let the watch know you're resting. And then when you start moving again, you go in and push the button again. It's fine. Uh, but but if you forget to push the button, then the date is off. Um, and it's important to note that this rest timer doesn't actually pause the activity. Like you're not going to see a gap in your GPS track because you hit the rest timer. It's simply just recording rest time in your, you know, to the file. So you can look at it after the fact. It's not actually pausing anything. Um, now on the Enduro 2, the big difference is that this process is automatic. It When you come to a stop in the GPS track, the watch detects you're not moving it'll automatically put you into rest mode, which in theory is a good idea because of, you know, the last thing you want to do when you're in an ultra marathon is worry about pushing a button when you get to an aid station. So I like the idea of the rest timer, but I do have a couple of issues with it. First of all, when rest time is engaged, uh, there's actually a screen that pops up that shows how long you've been resting for. Some people might like this. I don't really like it. It seems it gives me a little bit of anxiety, like staring at my watch as it's counting up, like, oh, crap, I better start moving again. I feel like that might be in a, ne a negative in some capacity, like as an ultra runner um, being being rushed out of the aid station. It's probably good motivation, too, at the same time to get out there and keep moving. But I didn't love it. So I would like the ability to turn it off while keeping the rest timer turned on. So I'm still recording that rest data. I'm just not like staring at it in real time. Another issue I have with the rest timer is that it would record, like if I was hiking up a hill at a slow pace, um, it would call that rest. Or if I was walking on, you know, pretty flat terrain, the rest timer would come on. And I don't know about you, but for me, ultra marathons are filled with walking or moving slowly because at a hundred miler, you're not running a seven minute pace the entire time, unless you're like the tip top Hayden Hawks, Adam Peterman, elite athletes out there, which I am not. So they need to add in some tweaking to this, I think, like a threshold 
like you let, allow the user to dial in what pace they want the rest timer to turn on with because right now the rest timer is a little bit funky it's not totally it's not totally representative of you know what's going on so i would like to see that adjusted a little bit but you know overall i do like the idea i do like the implementation the way it was added um it just needs to be refined a little bit more i feel like so there's that so um what else is missing from the garmin enduro well actually i forgot to talk about one more new thing in the garmin enduro too it's that they actually give you two bands in the box so in a garmin phoenix 6 you get a silicone band like a rubber but on the enduro 2 they also include the uh ultra fit nylon band which is, I think by itself, it's like 40 or 50 bucks, but you get one for free if you go with the Enduro 2. Plus, you get the silicone band if you prefer rubber. Both are really nice. It's up to your personal preference, but um, yeah, that's another benefit of spending the extra 100 bucks on the Enduro 2 is that you get two bands in the box, you get more battery life, and then you get some of these software features. Uh, something I'm interested to see is whether or not Garmin rolls out these new features like Next 4 can... Um, you know, the great adjusted pace and the auto rest timer to the Phoenix 7. They better because, like, the Enduro 2 is basically a Phoenix 7, so I see no reason why they wouldn't um, roll that out to the Phoenix 7. Maybe, maybe they'll wait a few weeks to give the Enduro some, you know, spotlight to make it look really cool, and then they'll port it out to the other watches. But for now, these new things are only on the Enduro 2. Um... Yeah, so the battery life on the Enduro 2, I think I talked about briefly, but listen to this. Enduro 2 will give you 34 days of battery life, up to 150 50 hours in GPS mode. And interestingly enough, you'll also get up to 20 hours of music playback on the Enduro 2, which is interesting because the music really crushes these watches. And it means you could almost run 100 mile, or you might be able to if you're fast, while using the music on your watch. That's pretty bonkers. Um, yeah, so the big advantage here is battery life and the addition of that extra band in the box. Now, if we talk about the Enduro 2 versus Enduro 1, it gets a little bit interesting because the Enduro 1 is still a really good watch. It's just based off of Phoenix 6, so the GPS accuracy won't be as good. You don't get mapping. You don't get music. Uh, you don't get Wi-Fi. The heart rate uh, sensor is not as good as the Phoenix Six or Phoenix Seven and Enduro Two, but the Enduro One is on sale right now for like a crazy bonkers low price. I think it's like five hundred and fifty bucks at some places on Prime Day. It was down as low as five hundred bucks, so it's nearly half the price of the Enduro Two, and it still has one advantage: the Enduro One has up to fifty days of standby time which is like almost two months while the new one only goes up to 34 days which is you know for reasons because it has way more features but if you are somebody who really values that like longer uh smartwatch battery life there's still an advantage there on the enduro one so i thought that was kind of interesting and that's really, you know, that's really it in terms of the enduro two if you want to learn more about it like i said check out the uh Check out the, the link in the show notes down below over to the full YouTube video. But it is a really cool watch. I've been wearing it for a couple of weeks. I'm going to continue to wear it because it's a really cool watch. And, oh, yeah, I forgot to mention, 
one thing that's missing, or a few things that are missing on the Enduro 2 right now, is uh, on the, the new Garmin 4955, there were a few new features. If you watched, if you stayed up to date on it, it had something called training readiness, um, had a new HRV status, a race calendar, native running power built into the watch. Uh, all these things were on the 4955. At launch day, on my Enduro 2, all these things were missing. So they're not there yet. I asked Garmin about this. It was a little bit frustrating for me because I asked Garmin a few days ago whether or not the Enduro 2 would get these features. And I got kind of an a ambiguous answer. They basically said that it should be coming, but it might not. You know, like, don't they don't want to publicize that it's coming in case it doesn't sort of thing. But then I watched some YouTube videos, like, from my peers from you know, Des and, and Ray, DC Raymaker and Des Fit. And both those guys had these features on their Enduro 2s on launch day. So apparently I missed that memo. I didn't get the beta software to have that on mine before launch day. Uh, and I thought that was kind of weird. Uh, you know, I, I guess I don't know. Um, the, I don't know who to talk to over there to get the latest beta information, but... Yeah, that was unfortunate. So my my YouTube video is a little bit off in that regard. Apparently, all these features are coming to the Enduro 2, but they're not there on launch day. They're coming in a firmware update. So good news there. Okay, a couple of other pieces of news. I know I just hogged up this whole podcast talking about Enduro 2, and if you didn't care about the Enduro 2, I probably just wasted, you know, 30 minutes of your time. I don't even know how long I talked about that for. But, uh... Yeah, so the next piece of news I want to talk about is kind of a small one. Something I noticed that kind of piqued my interest is LG actually launched some new earbuds called the um, LG T90 earbuds. They look really interesting. And one unique feature about these is they have spatial tracking. So they make your music more immersive. And when you move your head around, apparently the music will move around you. And I know... Apple does this with some of their earbuds, like the Beats Fit Pro have them, have this feature in Apple AirPods Pro, have the spatial awareness kind of thing. But I'm wondering if LG did this any differently. So I'm going to definitely get a pair of these and potentially review them on YouTube. So stay tuned for that. These are called the LG T90. So kind of an interesting thing there. Uh, what else is going on? Oh, lots of going on in the foot, footwear world right now, personally. So I've been wearing a um, couple of fun facts here. So I got the Ultra Mont Blanc trail running shoes like months ago. And my initial review on them just wasn't great. Like the first few runs I had, I think I ran like 40 miles in them before I posted my first video about them. I just didn't love them. There's something about them. Uh, the the heel lock wasn't great. Uh, the comfort of the laces was a little tight. And, you know, there's something about them, I you know, out of the box, they didn't work for me. Fast forward a few months, I end up falling in love with these things. And I'm wearing the Ultramont Blancs, like, road running now. I actually wore them uh, at my last 100-mile Ultra. They didn't cause me any issues. And, yeah, I mean, I still have issues with them like with the heel lock and the fit and the laces being kind of tight. Um, the laces aren't tight per se, but they're like really thin. So they kind of dig into your foot. and let, Instead of like spreading the load out with a wide lace, they're like 
little pieces of string that kind of dig into your foot. So I don't, I still don't love that. But where I'm going with this is that Ultra is actually sending me a pair of their new Mont Blanc Boa Edition, which is basically the exact same shoe as the Ultra Mont Blanc, but with the Boa lacing system. And if you don't know what Boa is, it's basically a, uh, it's like a wire that's guided around the shoe. And then it's attached to this like reel. It's like a knob that you turn. And when you turn the knob, it actually tightens the shoe. And Boa's been around forever. They've been doing stuff with like ski boots and mountaineering boots and all kinds of shoes and footwear, uh, but not really ever, not really on trail running shoes like this. So there's actually two knobs. There's a knob to tighten the overfoot area, and then there's a knob to tighten the heel, which I think is going to be kind of a game changer for the Mont Blanc Boa. And other than like the fit of the shoe on the original Mont Blanc, I've kind of fallen in love with the ride, the the foam, the responsiveness, the way I get cushioned, but I also feel like I have energy return. Like it's a really good shoe. And the only issues I have on it are are like the fit and getting the laces dialed in. So I feel like this Boa edition might solve the problems. It might be like a really good shoe for me. So they're in the mail. I should have the shoes this week. I'm going to start running with them, but I'll probably have like a initial or first run video about the Mont Blanc Boa because I'm really excited about them. Um, So stay tuned for that. Another topic on footwear is that I also have a pair of Hoka Bondi 8 in the house. I've taken them out on two runs so far, and they're really good. The only problem is, like, for me, for my foot, I've got, like, these freaking clown feet, man. And the way my foot, you know, like, I'm going to try to explain this as graphically as possible so it makes sense to you. A standard foot... Like, if you were to draw a picture of a foot as if it were a cartoon, you've got the heel, which is like a round part, and then it, like, tapers into the midfoot, and then it kind of splays back out again for the the forefoot where your toes are. So you've got, like, almost an hourglass shape for your foot, and this is where, like, hokas typically fail me because of the shape of my feet. Uh, My feet, I don't have an hourglass shape on my feet. I have a triangle shape where my midfoot is just it's wide so i i've got like a narrow heel a wide midfoot and then a really wide forefoot so i have like this triangular shaped foot so hoka they're the way they're designed their shoes a lot of times is with that hourglass shape in mind and when i try the shoes on it feels like my midfoot is being like squeezed and pinched and i can actually see visibly that the material of the side of the shoe is like overhanging the the midsole because there's too much foot there. Like it's it's just like falling over as if it was like boiling out of a pot or something. I don't know why that was a bad analogy, but you get the idea. So that's historically always been my issue with Hoka's. And unfortunately, it's kind of my issue with the Bondi 8. Um, I've gone on a couple of runs with them. They're not terrible in this regard. It's just weird. Like some Hoka's work fine for me. Uh, the Speed Goats, the Tecton X, um, those work work completely fine for me. The Clifton 8s, to some de- degree, work okay for me, but they have that pinching area too. It's almost like their road shoes just don't agree with me. Uh, and I bet there's people out there that love them and they fit like a glove. 
it's just my foot's just not cheap like that for whatever reason. But uh, it is a it is a nice shoe. It looks nice. It's got a high stack height. It's kind of a daily trainer design. So I'll probably have a video about it eventually. Uh, I'm hoping I can work out some of the fit issues I'm having, and maybe that that might make the video a little bit more optimistic. But that's where I stand with the Bondi Eight right now. Okay, and the final bit of news for today's episode is about Fitbit. They've made the the decision to end support for PC syncing this fall. So in October of 2022, if you have a Fitbit, the only way to get your data on and off your watch is going to be through the mobile app. I feel like there's going to be a lot of people upset about this. Honestly, though, I'm not surprised. And I hate to say it. I feel like we're going to start seeing this from everybody else. Like if you look at Garmin's uh, Connect Express or Garmin Express on Windows or Mac, it's so outdated. It's rarely updated. And honestly, it's kind of unnecessary. So I wouldn't be surprised if we see Garmin follow suit on this or maybe they'll obsolete the app, but they'll let people keep using it and maybe they just won't update it again. Um, I could see the same happening with Polar Flow. And, you know, everybody else in the space right now, like Koros is, you know, really only watch phone only. And Sunto moved away from their Move Move Counts platform that was a couple of years ago to only using the Sunto app, which a lot of people are upset about and still are to this day. A lot of people really liked Move Counts. And when they made that decision to leave it, that really rubbed a lot of people the wrong way. So... You know, I, I see where they're coming from, but it, it is frustrating that more and more companies are doing this and they're making the decision for you. But I also understand that if you are if you are a company like Fitbit and you have, you know, staff, you've got people employed at Fitbit and their only job is to keep this app up to date on your computer, uh, you know, you're, you're paying salaries for an outdated thing that probably you know, a very low percentage of users are actually, you know, utilizing. Another feature being removed by Fitbit is the ability to transfer your personal music from your computer to your watch using the app on your your computer. Just like I said, they're not going to have a computer app anymore, so they're removing this ability as well. You can still continue to play your personal music uh, if you're stored in Deezer or in Pandora. So you can still sync to those services, but if you have personal MP3 files on your computer, you're kind of out of luck there, unfortunately. And the final piece of fitness tech news for this week is about uh, Nike's Training Club app. I found this really interesting. So Nike has gone ahead and added some features to their Training Club app to make it more accessible to people with disabilities. I thought this was really cool. So they've taken their app, which would give you like workouts to do with dumbbells or free weights or body weights or running, whatever. And they've adapted it to be available for people with uh, any limb loss or, you know, any other kind of disability, whether it be hearing or sight or limb, you know, things that don't work. You can adapt this to the app now and let the app know about your disabilities and it'll still recommend you workouts that'll work for what you are capable of doing. I thought this is really cool. I feel like more companies should be looking into this because there is a lot of people with disabilities out there and 
they probably feel exiled from being able to participate in, you know, fitness, in sports, in things like these apps that we all have, uh, simply because, you know, if you don't have a leg and you're missing that limb and the app is telling you to do squats or something, clearly you can't participate in that. So I thought this was really cool and worth shouting out. Um, Also, on that note, it looks like Apple has actually added uh, some features to their Fitness Plus app to allow pregnant people to participate. So that's kind of cool, too. So quick shout out to them. Uh, This news comes from Engadget. I just read that while I was doing this podcast, and I thought I I would just give them a shout out because that's kind of cool. And it'd be good to see more companies think this way. All right, everybody. That's the end of this week's podcast, episode 35 in the books. Uh, I hope you enjoyed it. Hope you enjoyed following along. Of course, make sure to go over to YouTube, subscribe over there if you haven't yet. And very important, if you made it this far in this podcast, you probably are enjoying it, I should hope. Otherwise, you're just torturing yourself. And if you did enjoy it, I would really appreciate if you went on your podcast app of choice and gave me a rating. Like on uh, Spotify, you can give me a five-star rating. On Apple, you can actually give me a comment and a rating. Let me know what you like about the podcast. That would be great. I also want to let you know that on Instagram, go follow me over there, by the way, Instagram handles, Chase the Summit, uh, that I actually have a Ask Me Anything poll up. I'm going to be taking questions from there, and I'll be answering them in next week's podcast. So make sure to follow me on Instagram. Shoot me your questions. If you missed that Instagram story and you're listening later than a couple of days from now, uh, go ahead and just shoot me an email using the contact form or go ahead and just DM me on Instagram and give me a topic or a question or anything for next week's episode. And you may be featured on here. I'll be reading off names, answering questions, and I think that'll be a lot of fun. All right, friends, that's all I've got for this episode. Thank you for listening. I hope you enjoyed it and I'll see you next week. Bye.